Welcome to the Ocean Church Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you in your journey of faith. Enjoy the message. Well, hey, Ocean family. It's so good to be with you today. Hey, come on. Let's just like enjoy being together today. I want to give a special shout out to those of you watching online. You know, we just want to tell you that we love you and we care about you. I know for some of you, you're home because you're sick or you have a sick family member or maybe you're trying to um, just not risk exposure, but we want you to know that we love you and we're praying for you and we haven't forgotten about you. Well, I am so excited to jump into the word today. And this has been a powerful series for our church um, called Covenant. It's been such an awesome series. You saw from the recap video, uh, we even had the privilege and honor of having Mr. Snuggles up here on the platform. He was gracious enough to help us with all the, you know, uh, the sacrifice illustrations. Um, But it's been such a dynamic series for our church. And I just want to say that I'm so thankful for Pastor Josh and his heart to ruthlessly go after the truth of God's word. He doesn't shy away from the difficult topics, and I'm thankful for that, and I know that you're thankful for that too. Last week, we talked about covenant husbands, and today we're going to talk about covenant wives. So I want to invite you, yeah, all the wives said, "Uh uh-oh, here we go, here we go. All right, husbands, same rules apply to you as last week. No nudging your wife. Okay, none of that here. All right, go ahead and stay to your feet for the reading of God's word. If you're watching online, you can stand and join us in your home. All right, we are going to read our key passage that we've read every week in this series. This is Jeremiah chapter 31. It says, the day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, though I love them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. Bow your heads and let's pray. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. And I pray that you would come and that you would speak to our hearts. I ask you for a fresh oil of anointing in this moment. I pray that you would tear down our walls and that every heart would be open and tender before you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Online, you can be seated. Well, as we're talking about covenant marriage, I thought it would be fun to share with you the story of how Eric proposed. Eric and I met at Southeastern University, go SEU. Uh, At the time, it was called Southeastern Bridal College. And uh, Eric and I were friends, and then we started dating, and we dated for quite a while, and we knew that we were headed towards marriage. We knew that that's what God had in store for us, and we loved spending time together, and we loved watching sunsets. And one day, Eric said that he was going to take me to the other coast to see the sunset that night. It was going to be about a two-hour drive, so I was like, great, that sounds great. So I told my roommate about our plans, and she was like, Angie, he's going to propose to you. And I was like, no. 
know. It's just a date. Like, I don't want to get my hopes up. I don't want to read into this. And she's like, no, I'm telling you, guys don't drive two hours to see a sunset. This guy's going to propose. And she's like, more importantly, what are you going to wear? And I was like, I don't know this. And she was like, no, no, no. So it took like two hours to get me ready to go to the beach, you know, the sand. But we drove there and Eric timed the whole thing perfectly. We got there just before sunset. It was gorgeous. And we're walking along the beach and and just talking and enjoying each other's company. And the whole time that we're walking on the beach, I'm keeping the sun in my eye, you know, out of the corner of my eye. I'm I'm watching for the sunset because I knew if Eric was going to propose, he was going to do it before the sun set because he's just romantic that way. So, So I'm watching the sun and the sun is getting lower and lower and lower in the sky and it is not looking good. And I start getting discouraged and I don't, I don't even think I was paying attention to the conversation because I'm just thinking he is not, he's not going to do this. Like, I, I don't know if this is going to happen. And finally, I look out and the sun is about to dip below the horizon. There's no more hope. And I couldn't go on any further. I just stopped walking and I looked out over the ocean and I remember thinking he's not going to propose. He's not going to do it. Like I totally misread this situation. What are we even doing here? He's not, he's not going to do it. And I was so discouraged and distracted that I didn't notice that he had been talking. And so I turned towards him and he was down on his knee, holding up a ring, waiting for me to answer him. So I realized he had proposed and I missed my proposal because I was too busy thinking he's not going to propose. And that's how we started our covenant marriage together. Yes, totally messed that up. All right, so today I want us to start by looking at the first covenant marriage in the Bible. So let's turn to Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. It says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper, everybody say helper, a helper who is just right for him. Okay, this is the first example that we have in the Bible of covenant marriage. And what we see here is that the first role or function of a wife that's listed in the Bible is that of a helper. Now, when you look at this verse in the original Hebrew language, it means way more than you think it means. It's actually referring to the spiritual gift of helps. Now, Pastor Kyle mentioned this earlier, but the Bible tells us that every one of us has been given a spiritual gift. Nobody's left out of this. You all have been given a spiritual gift. Even if you don't feel like a very spiritual person, that's okay. God has given you a spiritual gift. And if you've been through next steps and you've taken your gifts assessments, then you know what your top spiritual gifts are. And for some of you in this room and some of you watching online, one of your top gifts is the gift of helps. 
This is a spiritual gift that's given to us from the Holy Spirit, and it has a practical application, and it has a spiritual application. Now, the practical application is exactly what you would think. People with a gift of helps, they see a need, and they jump in, and they meet that need, and they just want to help people, and they're energized by this. People with a gift of helps, they're not afraid of mundane tasks. They're not afraid to roll their sleeves up and get their hands dirty and work hard because they want to meet the needs of other people. They want to help people. Uh, People with a gift of helps have a servant's heart. These are people who are especially passionate about people who cannot help themselves. So, you know, the sick or disabled uh, orphans and widows, they're especially passionate about helping those who cannot help themselves. These are some of the first people to sign up for Serve My City because they want to make sure to help those who can't help themselves. So this is the practical side of the gift of helps. And I think this is what we normally focus on. But remember, this is a spiritual gift. So the spiritual side of this gift is more important than the practical side. People who have this gift have the divine ability to recognize and identify when people around them are going through a spiritual battle. They can recognize if people are struggling with fear, doubt, worry, anxiety, any of this. And they're able to offer them uh, a kind word, a compassion, a timely word. They're able to share scriptural truth in a way that is both convicting and loving at the same time. So if you are going through a spiritual battle and you come in contact with a person who has the gift of helps, they might help you to overcome anxiety. You know, they might help build up your faith so you can do what God's called you to do. They might build you up and strengthen you if you're weary and exhausted, you know, or um, they might um, just help you to step out with boldness in what God's called you to. Now, this sounds really good, right? Sounds really refreshing. This is the gift of helps. And God has given every wife the gift of helps. Even if this was not one of your top spiritual gifts before you got married, when you said, I do, the Holy Spirit made sure that you were equipped with everything that you would need to fulfill your God-given role within the marriage. This is why wives know their husbands so well. We know he can walk in the door and we can take one look at him and know something happened at work today. Something's off. Something's not right. You know, he's saying that he's okay, but I don't think he's okay. We know when our husbands are depressed. We know when when something's going on. We know these things. And it's more than just an instinct. This is a spiritual gift that God has given us so that we can support our husbands. It's so that we can offer him compassion, you know, when he's struggling. It's so we can help build up his confidence when he's struggling to do what God has called him to do. If he's exhausted, we can help give him strength and, and help, you know, carry him along. God has given us this gift to be a support to our husbands. So we see in scripture that covenant wives have the gift of helps, and it's both practical and spiritual. Now, something that I want us all to know today, this is very important. I want everybody to recognize that the role of helper is not one of lesser value. 
In fact, this is a role that God himself embraces. Take a look at John 15, verse 26. It says, but when the helper comes, everybody say helper. When the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Multiple times in scripture, we see that the Holy Spirit is referred to as the helper. Now remember, he is still fully God. He is holy. He's sovereign. He's all-knowing and all-powerful. He's set apart. And yet he chooses this role of helper within our lives. He helps uh, to comfort us and strengthen us to be a light and a witness. He gives us direction in our lives. The Bible says he leads us into all truth. God himself embraces this role of helper. And we as wives need to embrace this role as well. We need to know that this is a gift that God has given us, not just to help out with chores around the house. We can help with chores around the house. Men can help with chores around the house too. Can I get an amen, ladies? (laughs) But it's more than that. It's a spiritual gift that God has given us. God has commissioned us. God has entrusted us as wives to be a spiritual helper to our husbands. I want you to know today that this is a spiritual gift given by the Spirit of God to prepare us for a spiritual battle. And we need to know that. We need to settle that. It's a spiritual gift given by God's Spirit to prepare us for a spiritual battle. All right, so we see here that covenant wives have the gift of helps. The next thing that we see in God's word is that covenant wives deploy themselves in support of their husbands. Turn to Ephesians 5, starting with verse 21. It says, And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Okay, ladies, stay with me because this is going to get good. All right. Um, we, uh, we, I think sometimes we read this verse and we think to ourselves, okay, wives submit to your husbands. Well, I guess if that means that I'm going to be a covenant wife, I just need to do whatever he says. And it's so sad. Yes, it's wrong. It's sad that we would think that that's God's best for us in marriage. Listen, covenant marriage should be a place of joy. Covenant marriage should not become part of the grind. So much in our lives is the grind. You know, your your job, your schedules, uh, coordinating dentist appointments and oil changes, all these little annoying things from, from day to day. This is the grind. We're surrounded by the grind, but God never intended for our marriages to become part of the grind. Husbands, wives, don't make your spouse part of the grind. God has something so much better in store for us than that. Covenant marriage should be a place of joy. 
It's a place where you can be yourself and not be judged, where you can let your walls down. It's a safe place. It's a fun place. Like we should have fun with our spouse. This is a place of joy. And everybody wants to experience the joy of covenant marriage. But the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter five that the pathway to get there for husbands is love and the pathway to get there for wives is submission. Now, I know in our culture today, this word submission is very taboo. It's almost a cuss word, right? And for some people, it may even be a trigger word. You know, I grew up in a home where my dad was very controlling and domineering, and he would demand that we submit to his authority, you know, and kind of stomp his feet and yell about it. And then he would quote Ephesians 5 and kind of justify it by saying that he was the head of the household and we had to do whatever he said. That was a misuse of this scripture. And because of that, uh, the word submission was a little bit of a trigger word for me for several years after that. It was a wound that was in my heart. And the Lord had to come in and heal that wound and set me free of that. So I'm sensitive to that today. I know that there are some of you here with us that, you know, if you've had someone in a place of authority over you and they have mistreated you, then this word submission might be a sensitive topic for you. But I want us to redefine the word submission today according to God's word. I want us to debunk, demystify, and even de-trigger this word for you. You know, I think sometimes a reason why we're a little bit resistant to submit to our husbands in marriage is because our only context for this scripture is the culture of our fallen world around us. But if we want to know God's heart for us in marriage, we need to go back to the source. So I want us to look at the original Greek word for submission here in Ephesians 5. The original Greek word for submission is hupotasome. And I made sure to practice that for you. <laughs> hupotasome. It comes from the verb tasso and the prefix hupo. And this is what it means. It's a military term for arranging soldiers in ordered formation to confront an enemy. So this scripture really could be interpreted this way. Wives, deploy yourselves in support of your husbands against the enemy. Whew, God's word is good. I want to read that, that one more time because I want it to sink in. Wives, deploy yourselves in support of your husbands against the enemy. Ladies, this is a call to action. God is calling us to deploy ourselves into our prayer closet. God is calling us to deploy ourselves in support of our husbands. We need to be praying for our husbands, covering our husbands, covering our families. Whether or not you know it or recognize it, there is a spiritual battle that's taking place all around us. And we need to fight for our families and fight for our husbands in prayer. God is calling us to this. God calls husbands to wash their wives with the word, but God calls wives to bathe our husbands in prayer. There is a battle that is taking place and our place of greatest influence is in our prayer closet. 
Now, I don't want us to take this verse out of context because when we do that, we miss some of the richness of the passage that God has for us. In Ephesians chapter five, we see that Paul is addressing relationships. He's talking about husbands and wives, husbands in Christ. Then he gets into relationship with our children, relationships with servants. It's all about relationships. And then in Ephesians six, he's talking about spiritual warfare and putting on the whole armor of God. And what we need to understand is that these two chapters are not separate. This is not two separate thoughts. This is connected. The last two chapters of the book of Ephesians is an extended military metaphor. And what the Lord is trying to say to us is that there is a spiritual battle that is taking place in and around the relationships in your life. And we need to put on the whole armor of God so that we are prepared for this battle. We need to cover our children in the armor. We need to cover our husband in the armor. We need to deploy ourselves in prayer. I want us to read this chapter, this or, or these verses. This is Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 13. It says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, hear that today, but against evil rulers and against authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Your marriage will still be standing firm. You need to know today that the devil is strategizing against your family. He's strategizing against your marriage. And if you're single, he's strategizing against you. The Bible tells us that he sets out to kill, steal, and destroy. His mission is destruction. One of the greatest tools that he uses is confusion. And he sets out to steal our joy, to kill the love in our marriage, and ultimately to destroy our marriage. But we're not going to let him. Wives, we're going to deploy ourselves. We're going to go to battle. We're going to deploy ourselves in support of our husbands. We're going to fight for our families and fight for our husbands in prayer. And don't give in to the lies of the enemy that would tell you that your battle is with your husband. Because that's not true. We just read in Ephesians chapter six that our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world. The enemy wants to distract you and make you think that your husband is who you're fighting against, but that's not the case. Ladies, we need to stop fighting against our husbands and start fighting for our husbands. Covenant wives deploy themselves in support of their husbands. And when we do that, here's what happens. God changes us. God changes our heart 
towards our husbands. God softens our heart towards them. If there is trust that is lost between you, God begins to help you to forgive your husband. He creates a new love and passion for your husband. If you feel like the love has died in your marriage, you need to start praying for your spouse. See if the Lord will not resurrect a love within your marriage. God will do it, but it all starts with prayer. Now, I don't want us to overlook verse 23 in this passage because God has something so good for us in verse 23. It says, for a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. This is speaking to husbands having authority in the home. Now, wives, I know there are times when we can be tempted to take over our husband's place of authority in the home. Okay, I tell you what, we'll say it's just me, okay? I'll take the fall for you. You get off the hook. Sometimes I am tempted to take my husband's place of authority in the home. But when that temptation comes up, God's word strongly instructs us against that. God has set out an order for our family. And here's why this is so important. God's order brings peace. I want you to hear that today. God's order brings peace. You know, we talked about how the last two chapters of the book of Ephesians is this extended military metaphor. You know, the military has order. There are ranks within the military. Not everybody is a general. If everybody were a general, first of all, uh, we wouldn't get anything accomplished. Second of all, we would be exposed to all the attacks of all our different enemies. And third, there would be complete confusion. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 33, that God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. God has authored a plan of peace for your home. But this peace comes about as we live in the order that God has set for us. When we violate God's order for our home, we lose our peace. And the second thing that happens when we violate God's order for our home is that we open up the door for the enemy to come in and attack our families. Think back to the book of Genesis. We just read about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Remember, Satan came to them and tempted them so that they would fall into sin. Satan deliberately went to the wife first, not because she was the weaker of the two, but because she was not the head of her home. Satan intentionally violated God's order. When we violate God's order, we are opening up the door for the enemy to come in and have a foothold against our families. God's God's order leads to peace. So if you're struggling with peace in your home, the first thing you need to do is go back to the order and just just revisit the order and say, okay, are we in alignment with God's word in this area? Okay, so let's stop and let's just review for a second, okay? So covenant wives have the gift of helps. Covenant wives deploy themselves in support of their husbands. And finally, covenant wives are interdependent, not independent. You know, when Paul wrote the book of Ephesians, this would have been radical in its time. 
When uh, husbands during that time, they viewed their wives as property. Okay, so for him to tell the husbands, you need to love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave his life for it. You know, to tell husbands during that time, you need to love your wives so much that you'd be willing to lay down everything for her and give your life for her. That would have felt like, like an absurd notion to them. You know, that what Paul was arguing for here was a radically interdependent relationship between husband and wife, where we're honoring one another and yielding to one another. And that would have been anti-cultural for the first century church, in the same way that it can be anti-cultural for us today. You know, we're, we are used to hearing songs by Beyonce and Destiny's Child about independent women and, you know, all my single ladies. And from the time we are little girls, we're taught you don't need a man. In fact, you don't need anybody. As long as you have yourself, you are good to go. Society screams independence, but God's word does not support that. We just read in Ephesians chapter five that in marriage, the husband is the head and the wife is the body. The husband, the the head can do nothing apart from the body and the body can do nothing apart from the head. We need each other. We're called to each other. The same thing is true for the body of Christ. You know, we are to live as God's children interdependently with one another. If you're part of the body of Christ, you are not meant to do life alone. God's word instructs us in this. We're told as the body of Christ, we're supposed to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We're supposed to confess our sins to one another and pray for one another that we would be healed. We're supposed to sing hymns and spiritual songs together and forsake not the the assembling together of the saints. There are all these instructions in God's word for how we are meant to do life together not apart. We need each other. We are called to one another. And the same is true for covenant marriage. You know, years ago, I made an inner vow and the Lord had to heal me of this. God had to set me free from this inner vow. It was years before I got married and I started saying to myself, I'm never gonna depend on my husband to meet my emotional needs. Like that's not fair to a man. I'm just gonna give that to God. And if it's just me and God, we're good. And that sounded really good to me at the time. Like it sounded really spiritual, but really it didn't line up with God's word. So for the first 20 years of our marriage, I never really relied on Eric for very much emotionally. You know, I mean, little stuff, day-to-day stuff, we would lean on each other, but nothing big. Well, two years ago, my dad died. Two months after that, my grandfather died. And these were two very important men in my life. Two weeks after that, Eric's grandmother died. And at that point, we just felt like the kids had been to so many funerals and they were trying to process a lot of death, you know, and we just felt like it'd be best if Eric went by himself to his grandmother's funeral in Georgia and I stayed home with the kids. Now, what you need to understand is that all throughout our marriage, you know, whenever we needed to, we traveled independently of each other and we were fine with that. But this time I was not fine. I had anxiety. 
um, Eric was in Georgia and I could not sleep that night. I had anxiety so bad. My heart was just racing. I was doing all the things that I tell people to do. You know, I was praying and quoting scripture and worshiping the Lord and taking authority over it, but nothing was helping. And finally, at 3 a.m., I'm still awake. I'm pacing the floor, praying and, you know, quoting scripture. And the Holy Spirit gave me revelation. And I, I finally understood why I had all this anxiety. And it was just simply this. I lost my dad. I lost my grandpa. And I couldn't lose Eric. And him not physically being there with me felt like another loss. So this was, this time it wasn't really a spiritual battle. It actually was just me processing grief. And I realized that I needed Eric in that moment. So I got through it. Eric came back from Georgia. We prayed together and I did something for the first time in 20 years of marriage. And I just asked for his help. I was like, I need you. I don't think that I can heal from this without you. Like, I need to ask you to not travel for the unforeseeable future, <laughs> you know, until, until I heal. And I didn't know how long that would take, but I just asked him not to leave town and just to make sure that we were together. And he did. He was so happy to do it. And I needed him. There were, there were nights after that where I would feel anxiety again, and I would just reach over and touch his arm, and it would go away. He was there for me. And what I learned through that was that it was not a burden for him. He loved being there for me in the same way that I love being there for him. And it actually drew us closer together in our marriage. And the reason for that is that God has called us to one another. God has designed covenant marriage that we need each other. You know, we're in this series called Covenant. And really, if you think about it, this whole series is all about relationships. Covenant relationships with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, with husbands, with wives. If we wanted to come up with another name for this, this series, it could have been relationships. And I believe that the reason why God has us as a church in this series right now is that there are broken relationships in our lives and God wants to heal them. It may not necessarily be a marriage relationship for you. Maybe it's a relationship with your father or your mom, with one of your kids. You know, maybe it was a business partner. There, there are broken relationships in our lives and God doesn't want us to move past this and just ignore it. God wants to heal these broken relationships in our lives. We need to start by inviting him into it. So that's what we're gonna do together today. I made sure that we left plenty of time for altar ministry, okay? So it's not late. I want you to know that. And I wanna ask something of you right now. I wanna ask that if you don't have an emergency, um, that you'll just stay in the room for just a few minutes, okay? Because the Holy Spirit is about to minister to some people. Go ahead and stand to your feet. I'm gonna invite our prayer partners to go ahead and get in place, come to the front. And we're gonna pray. If you're watching online, there are people, there are hosts who are ready to pray with you in this moment. You're not alone. All right, bow your heads and let's pray.
Father, we invite you into the broken relationships in our lives. Holy Spirit, I know you're speaking to some people right now. I know there's some people that their heart is beating really fast. They feel uncomfortable and they know that it's time. It's time for them to release this relationship to you. Maybe they've tried to control it. Maybe they've made a mess of it. Maybe it's not even their fault, but they don't feel any hope in it. So God, we invite you into it. You are able to do the impossible. We know that, we believe that. No relationship is damaged beyond your repair. You are able to do the impossible. So we invite you into these broken relationships right now and we ask you to start with us. Lord, the most powerful prayer I've ever prayed as a wife was, God, give my husband a new wife and let it be me. God, let the change start in my heart today. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't want anybody looking around, but the Lord told me that there is gonna be some people here today that the broken relationship in your life is with God. And it's God's heart that you would find restoration with Him before you leave here today. So I wanna pray for you and, and I wanna know who I'm praying for. So, so if that's you, if you have a broken relationship with God, every head is bowed, every eye is closed, no one's looking around, I want you just to slip your hand up and put it right back down so I know who I'm praying for. Yep, I see that hand, I see that hand. Yep, praise God, I see that hand, I see that one. You're not alone. Thank you, yep, I see that hand. All right, if you raised your hand or if you didn't raise your hand and you were supposed to, I'm gonna pray and I want you to pray in agreement with me. Father, I invite you into my life. I invite you into my heart. Come and forgive me of my past. I give everything to you, put it under the blood of Jesus. Lord, I give you my future. I'm not gonna live my life for me anymore. I wanna live my life for you. I wanna be restored to close relationship with you. I, I wanna walk with you. I wanna talk with you. I wanna hear your voice in my life. I know that you love me. And now I wanna live my life for you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you were encouraged by the message today. A special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can like, subscribe, or share it with someone. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.